other for granted anymore. Like, there's a thing that we used to always say when we used to do ministry where I'm from, and it's this, like our most important ministry is showing up. So thank you, because you showed up. You really could be somewhere else, but you're here. See? I can't stay still, I'm sorry. Yeah, do I have to like stay in this little box? I'm good? I can, okay. All right, I just needed to know. I get excited. You showed up. And that's no small thing, right? We are a distracted people. <laughs> There's stuff going on all around us, yet today, for whatever reason, we're here together. So I have been praying that God would use this to do the stuff that we can't do for ourselves, that, that he would just take us, right, and... and, and pick us up where we're at and kind of put us together like a beautiful mosaic that, that we would be a reflection of God's kingdom, his, his masterpiece, his work, a bunch of people that shouldn't be in the same room together, in the same room together, sharing their junk before a loving and gracious God. So thank you. I want to thank God for loving me when I was unlovable and for giving me hope and help when I felt my most helpless. And I want to thank him because I think he did that for you too. And you can talk back, I'm good with it. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But if I'm right, you say amen. amen. He did that for us. So, so we're here for him. But we're also here for one another because the way that God works this love, this thing that he does inside of us is that he, he, he works with us in such a way that when we feel his move upon our hearts and our lives, like we can't help but give it to those around us. I, I, I have never met a person who's tasted something good and not turned to the person next to them and say, yo, you should taste this. We all do that, right? Because it's good. So if you've tasted the sweet savor of salvation, tell somebody that it's good. Share your faith. I think it's this one. So I, I say all of that to say I'm really happy and excited to be here, and I also have to confess something, since it looks like we could be honest, right? I had a really good sermon, all typed out in my iPad and stuff. It was fresh, but I left it in my bag. Because I sat in, what's it called, Rittenhouse Square? And I was just praying, people watching, because I, I kind of do that thing sometimes. And one of the things that I've been working on as a beloved child of God is I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I, I think so many of us say that, but we allow zero rooms for disruption. We got a plan. And we are going to carry out that plan. And then maybe God can break in. So what you're getting today was written in the park a couple hours before I came here. Um, I'll email the other one to Pastor Joe, and he can share it if you want. But the other one kind of felt like a lesson. It didn't have any life in it. 
And I don't think we need lessons. I think we need life. We need affirmation. We need dignity. We need hope. We need encouragement. We, we need God to show up so that we can show up with one another. So thank you so much for allowing me to kind of just show up. Um, I don't show up on my own, right? So I come bringing love, care, and affection from the Matthews Table family in the South Bronx. That's where we're at. Matthew's Table is a church plant that we're planting. It's kind of my second one, and that's a really long story. We planted one, and then we felt the Lord leading us to close it down. Because what he did was good, but what he was going to do was much better. Right. And sometimes something good has to die for something better to grow. So that type of obedience is difficult. It makes you want to give up, right? Since that's the whole theme. It does. It makes you want to give up. But don't. Don't give up. Because if you give up, what you're doing is you're giving up on yourself. You're giving up on what God can do. You're giving up on what he can do with your situation. You're giving up on what you can be. You're giving up on the possibilities of his work in you. You're giving up on becoming the very thing that he created you to be. So do not give up. God is working. He is. So since I said I wanted to be led by the Spirit, and please don't laugh at me. and It's okay. You could probably laugh if you want. But try not to laugh. As I was sitting and thinking, okay, God, what is it that you want me to say? You know what I felt led to do? Go to Google. So I went to Google, and I literally typed in, don't give up Bible. That was my, my phrase that I just entered into the search box. And I know this doesn't seem super spiritual, but I want you to know that sometimes you don't need religious professionals to do your work. <laughs> sometimes it's as easy as, you know, I know you, you got a great pastor. <laughs> you got a great team. But sometimes you could just Google, don't give up Bible. It actually works. So when I did that, I kind of got nine verses, the, the top nine ones. And what I want to do, again, this is totally on the fly, so I'm going to just read those nine verses really quick. It's not going to come smooth because I, I didn't have, like, little post-its to make it all nice and neat, so you're going to have to hear this, which is also good. You should get used to the pages rustling in your Bible. That's the way it works. So the first verse that came up in this Google search is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was number one. Second verse in the Google search, and this little experiment of mine, is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you're taking notes, write these down. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Don't you know that in the that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Next verse was in Galatians. This is a heck of an experiment. 
chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. The next one was Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I am able to do I as God. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me, right? Like I can do all things because God strengthens me. The next verse, we're going back to the Old Testament. It's Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. The next one, now we got to go all the way back into the New Testament. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And the last little verse of the top nine that I got is from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Interesting, right? Just Googled. Also interesting. Seven of those nine verses were written under divine inspiration by the Apostle Paul. Paul, it seems, had it rough. He, he didn't have an easy life, but he could have. He grew up in a position where privilege was a thing for him. He grew up with the right schools in a pretty opportunity, like access to opportunity and, and to money. Like he grew up, his parents were tent makers in a port city. All of this stuff was going on. So, he didn't have to have it rough, but then this whole Jesus thing happened, and Jesus disrupted his life and his plan, and, and life became rough for him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says that compared to others, right, that his life, the things that he goes through, compared to others, like when he does that, when anyone does that, when anyone looks at, he's saying, when you look at my life and you look at the life of others, this is what you're going to see. You are going to see that I have had to deal with far more labors. I had to deal with far more imprisonments. I had to deal with worse beatings. And that he says many times he was near death. Like, this is what he's saying, and he's saying it like as a badge of honor. He's proud of this. I've had to endure this. I had to go through this. This is a big deal. 
Then he goes on in verses 24 to 27 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me, let me just get there real quick and read this because it's kind of nuts what he says. And it's good for us because it's going to make sense in a second. But we need to go through this just to land in this spot. So Paul, in after he says, I've endured far more labors, more imprisonments, more beatings, and many times I was near death. In verse 24, he starts saying, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, which is a crazy saying. I got stoned once. This is not the type of stoning we're thinking, but once I received a stoning. I just noticed what I said. I thought it was funny. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in the open sea. Like he, he's listing off all of these things that have happened to him. So I want us to keep that in mind when we actually get to the verse that we're in right now. Because we got to know who it is that's saying this stuff, right? Because if not, it just can mean anything. This isn't just anybody. This is somebody who's actually gone through something. And maybe you know what that's like. So let's just keep that in mind as we read our text for today. Our text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It should be I there. Therefore, we do not give even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's quite a thing to say for someone who has endured what he has endured. Because of all of that, and because if you read this inside of his context, we've been given this new ministry because there's this new covenant that comes through Christ and it's far better than the old one, but it's fragile. So don't worry about it. But what's coming is so much better than what happens now that what, what we deal with right now, we can deal with it. Because of him in us and because of our experiences, our stories, right? We can deal with it. God is good. And if he's that powerful and if he's that strong, he could be powerful and strong for me, even when I feel weak, especially when I'm weak. And this is a beautiful thing, and it's a comfort, it's a hope for all of us, because the truth is we're all trying to just make it, right? Like, we, we, we have entire little cliches and little mantras so we could just make it. Fake it till we make it. Make it look good until you actually do it. And we're saying, no, no, don't fake it. Don't fake like you're not suffering. Because what this text does really well, what this text shows us 
is that all suffering, all suffering, everything is momentary and light when it's looked at and held up against the eternal and permanent weight of God's glorious promises to us in Jesus. That's what this text tells us, but we also have to say, this is what this text doesn't tell us. This text is not dismissing our suffering, but it does adorn it with purpose. It doesn't dismiss what you've gone through. It doesn't dismiss what I've gone through. Because what we go through sometimes is senseless. It's nonsense. It, it, who would do that, right? Like, if God is good, why does this stuff happen? But that wasn't God. But what God does is he adorns that suffering with purpose. And sometimes we're, we're in the middle of it, we can't see it. But the day will come when we get to look back and we can see that God was working. Right? Like, we, we can see it. It didn't make sense then while in it. But outside of it, it does. It makes total and perfect sense. So what I want to do is just look at these three verses again and kind of just be a good preacher and give you three points because that's what we're supposed to do. So I'm going to do it. it. Right? This isn't a Baptist church, right? We're inside of a Baptist building. I got to give three points. So look at verse 16 again. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Now, this doesn't sound very spiritual. And it's not meant to be. It's just one of those sayings that people say, but I think it fits here, right? Like, we didn't come this far just to come this far. We didn't deal with everything we've had to deal with just to be where we're at. There is more. There is always more. Like, one of the things that we talk about a lot as, as we're in this thing of church planting and we do this, this work in the Bronx is that we believe that, that we're called as Christians to live lives informed by the cross. What does that mean, right? Well, something always has to, there's, there's always something that has to die. There's always a sacrifice. There's always something that we're going to give up, right, to move forward. So while we do indeed understand that we're called to live life informed by the cross, we're not defined by death. Our lives are not defined by the cross. They're defined by the resurrection. There's always more. There's always something to come. That's why we don't give up. Because as bad as it is now, God is working. And if scripture is true, and I believe it is, then Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Won't he do it? He will. He can. So the question isn't never, can he do it? Is we, do we believe that he can do it? Or are we going to give up? Because it got hard. It's always going to be hard, beloved. 
It never gets easy. Whoever told you that is not preaching gospel truth. It never gets easy. It's hard to follow Jesus. Like, read the stuff that happens in Scripture. Like, is it just me? Half of the stuff he says I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It's not a logical thing to say. But there's something glorious that comes from it. But you got to sit with that level of discomfort and allow God to work. So we don't give up. Now, look at verse 17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Right? Like, whatever it is that's happening, whatever it is that we're enduring, enduring at the time, like, God is doing as well. God is the one doing something. In that moment, when we feel what we feel, God is working. He is doing something. That, that goes back to what is it that he's doing, right? Like, what's the point? He's adorning it with purpose. So that way you didn't suffer in vain. So you didn't endure what you did just to do it. He's given us a reason. A reason to keep going and to not give up. To rid ourselves of shame and guilt. To move past the story. Not only that people tell about us, but the one we tell ourselves about ourselves. Because that one's far worse. The story we tell ourselves about ourselves is always worse. So don't give up because God is doing something. He's adorning your suffering with purpose. He's doing something that is going to make sense. of things that should never make sense. What, he, what is he doing? What, what is adorning with purpose? It's like he's applying dignity. This beautiful work of God, this, this dignified work of his love in action when the whole world is going haywire and crazy. Like God is good not in the absence of difficulties. He's good in the midst of them. But we can never find that out if we always want to run when it gets hard. So don't give up. He is adorning your suffering with purpose. Now verse 18. So we don't focus on what is seen, but what is, on, uh, what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So now this is like my type of language. Um, I told you I'm Puerto Rican, I'm from New York. I hung out in bodegas my whole life, so I'm like this bodega poet, philosopher, preacher. <laughs> I like to just talk and tell stories all day. So what is it that the Apostle Paul is saying, right? To, to don't focus on what it's like. He's saying don't look at the suffering. But he's telling you to look at the suffering. So it's kind of confusing. So he's not saying don't look at the suffering. Peep this. He's telling you to look at it with soft eyes. So Henry Matisse is this old dead French painter. I like art, so I know all this stuff. It doesn't make any sense. 
and I'm going to paraphrase something he said once because I always found it interesting as a pastor in the work that we do. He says that to look at something familiar as if, as if it's the first time your eyes ever saw it requires great courage. Like to look at something that you've seen your whole life, but to see it as if it's the, the first time you ever saw it requires great courage. That's what having soft eyes means to look at the suffering that you've endured in an unfamiliar way because then you start to see that purpose that God is adorning your suffering with as something that is to come. It may not be here yet, but it's on the way God is working. So don't give up. You don't. And like I'm almost done. I'm not even going to be here long. Was I here long? I don't know. I, haven't, I have no sense of preaching anymore. Keep preaching. All right. So this also, remember, I'm, I'm kind of like freestyling. I'm, so rock with me. I am from the Bronx, so we do that. Right? I had to throw that in there. I preached this morning from Matthew's table, and we did it on, it was different, it wasn't like this. But then as I was sitting in the park, you know, what I preached in the morning, part of that made total sense to talk about real quick. Because you can be like, all right, cool, Rich, that kind of makes sense, it's interesting. I get it. But you kind of need a story to kind of, help you see it totally. So we were in Mark chapter five today, and we were looking at, if, if you guys have any, knowing what this is, this dude named Jairus came up to Jesus and he asked him to go heal his daughter because his daughter was dying. And Jesus says, yeah, which I think is the coolest thing in the world, that somebody just shows up, falls in front of Jesus with this big commotion, with a big crowd, and goes, Jesus, my daughter's dying, I'm desperate, please come. Like, he's straight believing that Jesus could do something. And Jesus doesn't, he just says, like, the text says that Jesus decides to go with him. And on his way to go see him, there's a disruption. Something, the story gets disrupted because there's this woman that pops out of nowhere, right? The woman with the blood. Do you guys, you've heard that one before? So when you read the text, there's this woman, she had an issue with blood for 12 years. So this woman shows up, so now you kind of got a story inside of a story. Now this woman, she had been, for the past 12 years, the text tells her, and is still suffering. She wouldn't stop bleeding. And as a male, I really don't know what that's like, but I'm pretty sure half of the room totally understands that this was not a comfortable thing. This was not an easy thing. It, it probably almost seems impossible. Like you're probably thinking she should have been dead. But she wasn't. She was alive and she was suffering. But her suffering wasn't just physical because none of our suffering is just physical because we're whole people. If something happens to us spiritually, it affects our emotions and our body. If something happens to our body, it affects us spiritually and our emotions. Something happens to us emotionally. Wherever there's that sort of breaking in, right? And, you know, violation of our person, 
of our beings, of our thoughts, of our spirit, like it jacks everything up. So that's, that's kind of what this woman was going through. She has a severe medical problem, to say the least. She hasn't been able to stop bleeding for 12 years. I, I can't even fathom like, what that must have felt like to her. That's just wow for the night for me. Um, she had the severe medical problem, so my wife has a fibroid issue, and it's cool. She won't get mad at me if I say it. So I know there's moments that she not only like feels weak, she is weak. This woman was weak, 12 years weak. Imagine what that must have been like. And on top of that, the text tells us that she spent all of her money on doctors and all sorts of people trying to get better. So imagine how she felt. Physically, she's out of it, now she's poor. And this has all been one big, huge discouragement because nothing happened, nothing came of it. So she spent all she had, and what she really spent was her money and her energy, right? Like she doesn't have a whole lot of energy to give, so it must have been physical exertion, just going to the doctor, doing A, B, or C, and running around trying to do all of that. She was in a bad state. Not only that, but her standing in the community was damaged. And you can read Leviticus, and you start to see that there's rules for everything, the way people interact with one another. She got all this stuff going on, right? So according to Leviticus 15, verses 25 through 27, this woman was considered unclean. That means that no one would touch her. So now, 12 years weak, bleeding, all of that stuff, broke, whatever, and nobody would even hug this woman because she was ceremoniously unclean. Start piling all of that stuff onto this, and just imagine her mental state, right? But she had heard reports about Jesus, is what the text says. And that seemed to be enough for her. So she did something that was absolutely remarkable, and I've never seen this my whole life until I was studying it this week. Since no one would touch her, she decided to touch Jesus. And that like, totally put a new spin on this whole healing touch thing. No one would touch her, so she resolved to touch him. This woman's amazing. We don't talk about her enough. And I'm sad that I don't know her name to say it. And the crazy thing is, she did it. Remember, she's physically weak. And if you read the text, you start to see like there was a crowd pressing him all around him. So she had to fight her way through the crowd just to touch him? She didn't have any strength. She had to have been weak. But somehow, she did it. She got there. And another crazy thing I never noticed until this week was the very thing that she lacked is what she got when she touched Jesus. Because he turns around to say, like, who touched me? And the disciples diss him. I'm like, what you mean, who touched you? Everybody touched you. And it says to Jesus saying, nah, this one is different because I felt power coming out of me. So in her suffering, in her powerlessness, she expends every last little bit of energy because no one would touch her. She does all of that just to touch Jesus. And what does, Jesus, what does she get from Jesus? The very thing she needed. All of that to say what? She didn't give up. 
She didn't give up. And because she did it, the moment she touched them, she got better. Now, are there things, are there things in your life that you think are too hurt and too dead to fight for? Because when you read the text, what, you're trying to, what you end up seeing is, like with Jesus, there's no such thing as a hopeless cause. Right? Why? Because Jesus does, he himself has the power and the authority to heal and to resurrect that which we think is hurt and dead. And if he's the same yesterday, today, forever, and this is why Paul says, therefore, we do not give up, he's working. So let's not give up. Fight. It will not happen without a fight. This woman is our blueprint. She had every reason in the world to give up, but she fought for it. And she got just what she needed. And then Paul, after receiving all of this, remember that laundry list of beatings and sufferings and all this stuff he goes through, he stands there and says, therefore, we do not give up. Beloved, because Jesus is who he says he is, we do not give up. Because whatever it is that's happening in your life, whatever it is that has happened in your life, God is still working and he is doing something. So please just hold on. It may not make sense today. And it's, it hurts. And it's whack. And nobody wants to go through it, and nobody should. But God is good. And he puts you in places with people who understand. You're not alone. Do not give up. Our Lord is with us, and he has given you the gift of each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Your word, thank you for the gift of presence. Thank you for being with us and loving us. When we didn't even want to be with ourselves and we couldn't love ourselves. So we pray, God, that you would continue to grant us strength. The strength necessary just to get from today to later. Sometimes that's what it is, Lord from now to later. Be with us, God. You are good. Um, you have kept every last one of your promises, and you won't leave us now. So thank you, God. We love you, and we pray all these things in your son's name.